So this morning, before we, um, we get to Easter in two weeks and we've finished up our previous sermon series, we're in the, kind of in the middle and a bit of a gray area when it comes to Sundays and what I'm preaching about on Sundays. And a couple weeks ago, we were having a prayer meeting and the focus of our prayer was Psalm 42. And while we were reading Psalm 42 and meditating on it, I felt like um, it was something that everyone needed to hear, that God wanted to speak to us through Psalm 42. And so if you have your Bibles, for the remainder of our time, if you will look to Psalm 42, and we're going to be there the whole time, and if you don't know where Psalm is, typically it's right in the middle. We've got Bibles under your chair. Open it up, and uh, there's 150 chapters, so it takes up a lot of the... No, I missed it. Didn't work for me. It was close. So Psalm 42, we've read it once, but we're going to read it again. As the deer pants for streams of water, so my soul pants for you, my God. My soul thirsts for God, for the living God. When can I go and meet with God? So for the psalmist here, it's like drink or die, right? She must uh, have God or faint, but it seems like the water has run dry. Like, and she says, my, my soul, a couple times, and soul represents like our, our most inmost being, who we are, my soul, all that I am is yearning for you. And when you talk about thirsting for God and hungering for God, we don't, I don't want to split hairs, but there's something about thirsting that's even deeper than hungering. Like we can go a few days with hunger, like I can get some food, but when you're thirsty, like it's insatiable. Like some of you right now are like, I need something, something to drink. Thirsting can be deadly if it's not uh, fulfilled. Verse 3 says, my tears have been my food day and night. So instead of having something to drink, the only thing the psalmist has to drink is her own tears of bitterness. While people say to me all day long, where is your God? These things I remember as I pour out my soul, how I used to go to the house of God under the protection of the mighty one with shouts of joy and praise among the festive throng. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? The King James Version is an older version. Instead of disturbed, it says disquieted. Like, I like how that, like, what is a disquieted soul? What's a quiet soul? Why am I so unrestful? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. My soul is downcast within me. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of Jordan, the heights of Hermon, from Mount Mizar. Deep calls the deep and the roar of your waterfalls. All your waves and breakers have swept over me. By day, the Lord directs his love. At night, his song is with me, a prayer to the God of my life. I say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? My bones, they suffer Mortal agony as my foes taunt me, saying to me all day long, where is your God? So talk about salt and the wound. God is far away, but the enemies are ever-present for the psalmist. Verse 11, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalms are pregnant with emotion. Like it just exudes out of them. And if, if you're not participating in our two-year Bible reading plan that we have, first of all, repent. No. Uh, second of all, you should at least read the daily psalm. Like at least start there. If, that's, if you can't commit to reading you know, a large part of Scripture every day, read the, the psalm. 
Um, and in the Psalms, they're not sanitized religion. Like the Psalms bring their whole selves to the Lord. The good, the bad, the ugly, right before the Lord. Um, and when we, when we read the Psalms, sometimes we have troubles interpreting them because we're not sure what to do with them. Like we don't read the Psalms the same way we read the Gospels. Or, or Paul's writings. Uh, Paul's very, um, like, here's this point and this point, And it's easy to, to take doctrine from some of those things. But when you get to the Psalms, it's not, we don't necessarily go to the Psalms for doctrine, but we go to learn how to express ourselves to God. And we think of the Bible as God's word. We usually think of God's word to us. But in the Psalms, we find words to God, words about God. And so we, we have to interpret them differently, and they're written to evoke emotion. And uh, Psalm 42, I mean, the writer could have just said, I'm having a bad day. I'm depressed. But instead, the psalmist takes us on this journey, and we can feel along with the psalmist. And it's really the psalms are songs that were written to help in worship in, in some fashion. And, and uh, it's the same with songs today. Like, we create playlists based on our mood, don't we? Like, if you uh, have a subscription or you're on Spotify or Pandora, or you can find a list of songs that goes with your mood. And so on Spotify, I was just checking some out. Uh, there's uh, a list. So these are titles of playlists. One's called Happy Hits. You know, if you want to get that one. Mood Booster. Love Ballads. Sad Beats. Rage Beats. Wind Down Wednesday. That's not talking about wine. That's talking about wine. You know what I'm saying? Uh, dark and stormy is a playlist. Deep focus. Sometimes when I'm studying, I like to turn on that playlist, deep focus. And these are already pre-made, right? These aren't ones I created. Uh, beast mode. Here's my favorite. Workout, twerk out. No, that's not right. That is one. Um, but when we hear music, it impacts the way that we feel. So I've got just a couple examples for you. I'm just going to play. Turn it up a little bit. Give me a little, give me a little something. Maybe. There we go. Yeah? Awesome. It makes you happy. All right, that's good. That's good for that one. But music, one, I got one more. I got one more. Just wait for it. Wait for it. I was talking about Najee, with Najee. He's like, I can't even listen to Adele. It's so sad. I heard that you settled down All right, that's that's you. All right. You're like, what is the point? The point is that mu music moves us, does it not? And the Psalms are to have that same effect upon us. Like when we read them, the psalmist wants us to feel what they are feeling, to be there in, uh, in the moment. And Psalm 42 is no different. And so the title of my sermon today is Dry, Drowning, and Disheartened. Dry, Drowning, and Disheartened. And I love the juxtaposition in this psalm of dryness, but I'm drowning. It's like the psalmist is drowning in their dryness. Like I don't even know what to do with that. That is the imagery of Psalm 42, of water and not having enough and then having too much. He says, the, uh, the deer pants for water because there is none. And then he's drowning. All your waves have swept over me. And he's disheartened. My soul is downcast and disturbed. And in Psalm 42, the psalmist is alone. 
Like there is, the only talk of friends is something from the past. But in, in the moment, the psalmist feels utterly alone. And verse 5 is what I would call the chorus of the psalm because it's repeated. Just like how we repeat chorus sometimes. Psalm 5 says, why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. The psalmist is in a dark place. I mean, the words, if you were to just um, look in Scripture and go through and, and pull out all the words that are like downer words, words that have you in, in the pit, uh, words like enemies and, and mourning and oppression and adversaries and deadly wound, mortal agony, taunting. If you look at some other versions, you get some other ideas of like where the, the psalmist is at. And, and God seems distant. And the, the psalmist's prayers are going unanswered and the waves of life are crashing over her and she doesn't know which way is up. And maybe you've had that kind of week. Or maybe you've had that kind of year. Or maybe some of you are like, that's my life. Like that is how I would describe my life, like the waves crashing over me. I don't know which way is up. And you're at the point where, God, I can't take this any longer. Where are you, God? Why have you forgotten me? And we're not told in Psalm 42 like, what has got the psalmist down. I mean, there's some clues, some things we're going to look at. But we don't know exactly, but one clue is that God is not responding. God is silent to the psalmist. And the enemies of the psalmist are saying, where is your God? Verse 3 and verse 10, saying that it's like mortal agony, the wounds from my enemies saying where. And then the, the psalmist has heard them saying, where is your God so much? She starts to believe it herself. And in verse 9 says, where are you, God? Like she's been listening to her enemies too long. Um, have, it, have you ever had any foes, any enemies? like the person right next to me right now. Don't, no one make eye contact with the person sitting next to you for the next three minutes, and you'll be fine. Uh, but for the, for the psalmist, the foes, are, they're taunting her, and it's, it's getting down into her soul. And so, I mean, who are your foes? Who are your enemies? And it may or may not be a person. And I think we can take some liberty when it comes to the psalms and, and say it could be just about anything that's got you down. Like anything that's has you worrying, it could be overdue bills that keep showing up, uh, stress from uncertainty at work, a child that keeps you up at night with worry. It could be an issue that you have with uh, maybe a friend or a spouse, something that needs to be addressed, but you know if you, you bring it up, like it's going to cause chaos, uh, you might be your own worst enemy. Hello? And trying to live up to your own expectations, trying to justify yourself, trying to prove to your dad that you are somebody, even though he said you were a nobody. Like, who are your foes? So a second clue of what has the psalmist down is that the psalmist has suffered loss. The psalmist had something, it was taken away. Verse 4 says, I used to go to the house of God with shouts of joy and praise. Used to implies I don't anymore. It's past tense. There's a big difference between I used to go or I go. She's saying I, I, I'm not going anymore. And I used to go amongst the, the shouts of, of praise and there was joy and there was life and there was a, a festive throng. And, and so I wonder, I'm, and I'm, I know there's people here, you've lost something. Like Maybe it was a relationship or maybe it was a dream that you had. Like I wanted to do this and it, looks, it doesn't look like that's going to be fulfilled for me. I mean, 
Maybe you are currently in the midst of losing something, and sometimes we reap what we sow. Sometimes. Um, so, for example, maybe, maybe at work, just a little shady. Not too shady. Just a little bit. Uh, maybe you spent too much time on Facebook when the boss wasn't looking. Uh, maybe you complained too much, talked about people too much, and then, and then you were shocked when you didn't get the promotion or, or when you got let go, worse. And then you go on Facebook and you talk about how the world is against me. And uh, when, if you had just a little bit of self-reflection, you know, like, well, maybe. Uh, I'm always surprised I've had coworkers who were overlooked for a job and got all bent out of shape for a promote. They were overlooked for a promotion. Uh, and then they were like, I can't believe it. And I'm like, really? <laughs> I mean, you don't do that great of work. You show up a few minutes late every day. You um, talk about everybody, and you're surprised. Uh, sometimes we reap what we sow. Uh, sometimes we reap what we don't sow. That's what's happened in Psalm 42. Like, this was not... Um, I mean, when you suffer loss and rejection and hurt, sometimes we've brought it on ourselves, like we've contributed to it. Um, it doesn't make it any easier. But then there's times where hurt has been brought upon us or promise has been broken, and it, it's no fault of our own. It's no doing of our own. And that, that describes the, the psalmist here. Um, she is suffering, and it wasn't her fault. She says in verse 4, there's a, uh, another version of Scripture that says, I was always at the head of the worshiping crowd, right out in front, leading them all eager to arrive and worship, shouting praises, singing thanksgiving, celebrating all of us, God's feast. This tells us something about the character of the psalmist. Like she is no person of uh, ill repute. She is not someone who has walked away from God and now is suffering the consequences. This was someone who was there every Saturday morning, back in the day, um, who worshiped God, who loved God, who longed for God, as we read in verse 1. My soul longs for you, but now she's no longer able to participate in the feast, in the festival, as a festive throng, as it says. And sometimes we reap what we don't sow. I like the imagery in verse 4 of the, the festive throng, and I imagine like... Um, People dancing and singing and laughing and tambourine somehow in my mind. And, um, and it was in the context of going to worship at the temple, like just a big, a big party. And I feel like sometimes the Hills Church, we could use a bit more festive throng in here when we're worshiping. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's all right to get excited. When it, you're with me, Miss Shirley? She's with me. All right. I'm with you. And one of these days, my feet will get to dancing, and I won't ever stop. Uh, but I, I get this... On Monday, I was invited to celebrate a friend's upcoming 40th birthday. And part of the party was karaoke. And, and so uh, friends were there singing, laughing. Their kids were there singing, laughing. I tried a little bit of uh, Justin Bieber. It didn't work so well. It didn't go so well. Um, but it was like just this festive moment and that's kind of what I imagine when we talk about this festive throng of, of just, it was good, it was, it was fun. And the psalmist is saying, I used to experience good times with the people of God, in the house of God, but I don't any longer. I had good friends, but I don't any longer. It's all, it's all been taken away from me, and it seems like the happy memories of yesterday only deepen the sorrows of today. 
Like the psalmist is looking back, and instead of the memories helping her, it's like they press down on her, like, oh, it used to be good. Like when times were good, and, um, you know, this life holds no guarantees uh, of freedom from distress or hurt, even for the people of God. And I think sometimes believers are, I don't know, despondency, I guess it might be the good word, can be even greater than non-believers at times because we have this hope that God is going to come through. And so when God doesn't come through, we feel it even more. And so the psalmist is calling out to God, and God doesn't intervene. God, why have you forgotten me? And so the psalmist was in a dark place, and I don't know like how you've, you've come in this morning, where you are, what life is, how life has been treating you. I want to look just for a moment at how the psalmist responded to being disturbed. And the first thing the psalmist did was she cried out to God. The psalmist cried out to God, my soul thirsts for God. Verse 2, the living God, when can I go and meet with God? Verse 9, God, why have you forgotten me? Even her accusations she brings to God. And if you don't remember anything else this morning, remember that you can take everything to God. Instead of, instead of keeping it inside or instead of turning on God, come to God. God is big enough to handle the whys that you have. And God, I'm disturbed. I don't know why this is happening. And God, where are you? And why did you let this happen? God, keep coming to God with those questions. Keep coming to God. And not only did the psalmist cry out to God, but secondly, the psalmist remembered God. These things I remember as I pour out my soul. Sometimes the only thing that can keep us going is the memories of the good times. I remember when God showed up and God provided for us and we didn't know where the, our, we were going to get groceries that week and God provided for us and we look back to something that was good that keeps us going forward when it's dark. Verse 8 says, By day the Lord directs his love at night, his song is with me. And the psalmist is contrasting, he's saying day and night. All times God is unchanging. God is with me. And she remembered that God is with her at all times. God is, God is unchanging. Um, and she also remembered who God was. If you were to underline the titles for God in Psalm 42, she uses words like the living God, God my rock, unchanging, uh, my savior, God of my life, the mighty one. Like she's recalling all the attributes of God. My soul is downcast within me, verse 6. Therefore, I will remember you from the land of the Jordan, the heights of Hermon. We're not, uh, scholars aren't quite sure the reference here, but they think that the Jordan is a reference to the area of Jordan, the Jordan River, which is below sea level. It's a low place. And then you have the mountains. So the psalmist is saying, God, I'm going to remember you whether I'm in the valley or whether I'm on the mountaintop. God, I will remember you and there's something that happens if we can take our eyes off of our own problems for just a moment and turn our eyes to the living God, that the things we're going through, that somehow, I don't know how, why this works or how this works, but like the things we're going through just kind of fade away a little bit in God's presence. And all of a sudden, they're not quite as bad, they're not quite as painful if we can turn our gaze and we can remember, we can remember our God and see how magnificent He is. 
Not only did the psalmist remember God, but the psalmist encouraged herself in the Lord. Not only did the psalmist speak to God, she spoke to herself. She encouraged herself in the Lord. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? And I think it's interesting. She she started with some self-evaluation. Like, why why am I feeling this way? Like, what what has got me down? Like, what, what expectation did I have of somebody else that wasn't fulfilled and now has got me down? What expectation did I have of myself I didn't live up to and has got me down. And so she examines her heart. And, and so maybe you just need to check yourself sometimes when you're down. Is that all right? No, okay, I won't do that. No, don't say that again, Matthew. Uh, why, why am I feeling this way? And then she gives herself the remedy. Like, why so downcast? Put your hope in God. Why so downcast? Put your hope in God. There was a pastor from 400 years ago. And he, he believed David was the author of this psalm. He, he may have been. We don't know. He said, David chideth David out of the dumps. David chideth David out of the dumps. And sometimes we've got to chide ourselves. We've got to talk to ourselves out of the dumps. Like, don't let your feelings always dictate to you. Do some dictating to your feelings. And um, now, the psalmist was alone. There was nobody around that was encouraging her that she felt like. So she had to talk to herself. And have you ever been swimming and for some reason you stayed underwater just a bit too long? Like maybe you're, when you were younger, swimming with some friends or a sibling, you're playing a game and, and they don't realize, but you, you can't get to the top and you're close to blackout. Has anyone ever faced that? You ever remember that? And when you get to the top, you kind of get, you break the surface of the water and it's like, <gasps> Like I can breathe again, and I feel like some of us, we're like swimming in the water, not breathing, and we need to talk to ourselves, and the answer is getting up and breathing and talking to ourselves, putting hope in God, and sometimes the struggles and the worries of life keep us from trusting God, and we're swimming underwater, we're not breathing and close to blacking out, and you might recall the story of Jonah. Jonah was a prophet. He wasn't a good one. Like if you had to list prophets by who was, who was the best, he's at the bottom. God told him to go. Jonah said no. Bada bing, bada boom, he's in the ocean in the belly of a fish. Uh, and while he in the deep, in the sea, he cries out to God. And do you know what part of his cry is? Psalm 42. He says this. You hurled me into the depths, into the very heart of the seas, and the current swirled about me. All your waves and breakers swept over me. And the psalmist is underwater, almost overwhelmed, saying, all your waves and breakers have overwhelmed me. I can, I can barely breathe. I'm not going to make it, but I know the remedy. Put your hope in God, and I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. And it's at that moment, I feel like she might have just broken the surface for a moment, <gasps> taking a breath. Maybe it was to go back down in the water. But in that moment of putting her hope in God, she was able to take a breath and, you know, I don't feel like singing. I will yet praise him. God has forgotten me and I can, I can barely breathe and I will yet praise him. I don't have the strength to go on. I can barely breathe, but I will yet praise him. And I'm not a, I'm not a fan of, huge fan of positive self-talk. I'm really not a fan of negative self-talk. But what the psalmist is doing here is God talk. 
Like not so much like, all right, I'm awesome, I'm good. But turning to God and in that moment saying, self, put your hope in God. Catch your breath. And so today, I want to encourage you to catch your breath, to breathe, to encourage yourself in the Lord before you have to go back down tomorrow. Like when we gather on Sundays, this is a place of encouragement, a place where we can offer strength and, and pray for one another. And um, if you are down, if you are feeling disquieted in your soul, you are not alone. You are not alone. We're here today to encourage you on to encourage you. And this journey of following God is, is not just a, like an upward journey of more ease. Think of the psalmist. Is all over the place in this psalm, right? Up, down, even right after um, she says, put your hope in God, the next verse is like, I'm downcast again. And the thing about Psalm 42, we're never told what happens to the psalmist. We're never told if God shows up. We're not told if God intervenes. We have Psalm 42. Most scholars say that Psalm 42 and 43 belong together in one psalm. There's no, if you look in your Bible, sometimes there's a footnote. The chapter 43 has no introductory words like 42 does. In the Hebrew Bible, it's all one psalm. So Psalm 43 says this, Vindicate me, my God, and plead my cause against an unfaithful nation. Rescue me from those who are deceitful and wicked. You are God, my stronghold. Why have you rejected me? And down. Why must I go about mourning, oppressed by the enemy? Send me your light and your faithful care. Let them lead me, let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place of your dwelling. Then I will go to the altar of God, to God, my joy and my delight. I will praise you with the lyre, O God, my God. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God, for I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God, send me your light. We have something the psalmist never had. In John, uh, John's gospel, a biography of the life of Jesus, in his introductory words, he says, In him, in Jesus, was life, and that life was the light of all mankind. The light shines in the darkness, and the darkness has not overcome it. A few verses later, it says, The true light that gives light to everyone was coming into the world. And then Jesus would say about himself, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will never walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Send me your light. We have something the psalmist never had. God has answered. He has sent Jesus. He is the light that dispels all darkness. He is our vindication. Jesus is our justification. He has rescued us out of the darkness he has defeated every foe, and he has brought us into the presence of God. Where the psalmist wanted to go, Jesus brings us there. Peter said, for Christ suffered once for sins, the righteous for the unrighteous. That's us, to bring us to God. Amen? And then Paul said, may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in Jesus, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Why, my soul, are you downcast? Why so disturbed within me? Put your hope in God. I will yet praise him, my Savior and my God. 
We just need to breathe. We need to breathe. To set our gaze towards our God, towards our Savior. I'm going to invite you for a moment to just close your eyes, bow your head. Maybe this morning you need to encourage yourself in the Lord to remember who God is. And you need to tell yourself, put your hope in God. And I will yet praise him.